This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey guys, welcome to Mess It Up Podcast. I am your host, the Bowtie Guy, and it is show number 209. Welcome to April. I hope your April Fools went well. I just celebrated an anniversary. And um, I am super, super glad to say that I've been married for 27 years to the same lady now. So that's uh, pretty awesome. Uh, you might know her, listener Bev from California. That's the one. Um, but uh, we're glad you're uh, coming into the Easter season to be doing this uh, show. And next week is going to be a special show because next week is our fourth anniversary show uh, for Mess It Up Podcast. So be looking for that in your podcast feed in a week. I want to tell you a little bit about how to get a hold of us. If you want to send us email, it's bowtieguy@messituppodcast.com. You can also call me or send me a text at 760-608-1942. We are 100% listener supported, so uh, all of our funding comes from you, dear listeners. If you would like to join our giving family, you can do it in one of two ways. There's our Patreon platform, which... Um, they will uh, bill you uh, on your card or, or bank account once a month, and uh, we get 92% of that. So they keep 8% uh, as a fee for helping us out. So you can write off 92% of that on your taxes, and you get to that by going to messituppodcast.com and click on the Become a Patron button. Or, if you prefer, you can do our text to give. You send the word MUM, because MUM's the word, M-U-M, to 760-WALLS-CA, that's W-A-L-L-S-C-A, because we go into the walls of California prison and uh, bring the uh, message of Jesus and hope to them. And that's what you're helping to support, is missionaries going into the uh, prisons and that mission field, uh, helping pay for gas and supplies for the inmates and all that kind of stuff. So really super excited to be doing that. So if you want to give, that is awesome. Uh, if you don't want to give, you can still listen to uh, the show for free, as always. Uh, but for our givers, you are added to our Discord chat server, so you can talk with other listeners uh, about the show or whatever you want to talk about. And you can also become part of our book club, where we read books um, uh, based on what people are, are interested in reading. Uh, speaking of books, I have two of them out now. The first one is Still in Beta which um, indicates that God's not done beta testing me. That's available on Apple and Amazon Books. And uh, you can also get the new book, Piece by Piece, which includes some recipes for pie as well as some stories about testimonies. And that's available on Amazon as well as Apple Books. Um, our word of the week this week uh, is uh, a word that is, I don't know how I came across this one, but it's, I, oh, I think it was when my computer goes to sleep, I have words that come across. And this one was that it's, it's pieced. And uh, it is a ski run of compacted snow. Is it pieced? So I thought, well, that's nice. Um, I'll use that one. So if you can use that in your sentences this week, give yourselves 10 bonus points. When I was talking about that book, um, piece by piece, uh, one of the chapters in the book is a guy who has really meant a lot in my recovery life. And... Um, He's agreed to be on the show, and so I want to welcome in John Mack. Well, thank you, Paul, for having me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, we're going to give you the brief part of John's story, but you can read more about 
uh, him in the book. I don't remember. Are you chapter seven, John? Four. Chapter four. John is chapter four uh, in the book. And um, John is one of the big reasons that I'm still doing Celebrate Recovery because if John hadn't wandered into our um, ministry, I might have wanted to pack it up. But John is the guy who gave me the inspiration for this book. It was... It was John's fault um, that I wrote this uh, this second book. So, John, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for, for being here. Um, can you give us the Reader's Digest version of your mess? Tell us your story. Hmm. Where does one begin? At the beginning. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would like to say thank you once again, but I wanted to explain how deep that thank you is. Um, I was ready for... To, to retire for the evening. The lights were out, we're closing doors and all that. And we got a call from the family and they needed some help. They went home and the grandson lost his cookies in the car. Mm. And then my son couldn't handle cleaning the mess. So they called me about 9, 30, 10 o'clock at night to help. And when he said thank you, I understood how serious that thank you is. And that's what I'm trying to say here too is thank you it's not just a cliche yes I may have inspired you but yeah um, I was looking at that idiot and I'm thinking if you can do it I think I can and so yeah appreciate it so starting off I would say the first thing abbreviated as a youngster there was this TV show, um, Ode to Billy Joe, mm-hmm. and Bobby Gentry back in the 60s, I think it was, 68 or something, she had a, sh- um, uh, a song, mm-hmm. and uh, it did pretty good, went, went up to the top three or something like that, but um, that show to me was emotional. When I watched the show, I teared up a lot. And I think that kind of explains my childhood. If we go back to your April 19, 2018 episode where you were talking to the biker chick, Mm -hmm. right? And she explained her mess as normalized. It was normalized. Didn't know. And that's what I'm coming from is I didn't know then that it was abuse, you see, and so I'm looking at it that way, and I'm going, because I was asked when I was incarcerated, they asked me, have you had any childhood sexual abuse or any other trauma like that? And I said, no, because normalized, no, right. I thought that was normal, but no, I've learned that no, it wasn't normal, but uh, as a child, The radio had a very important part in my life, music and all that. And I remember the radio one time, they were playing a contest, Switch to Sweps, which is the sodas. Yeah, yeah. Well, I participated in that, and I won it because I was able to say it three times fast. I don't know if I could say that now. It's probably (laughs) a tongue twister, Switch to Sweps, Switch to Sweps. Another one, I was listening to a program that says preoccupation with self-gratification. 
somehow I wrote in to get the transcripts because at that young of an age, I knew something was up there. I wasn't, it wasn't right. My mom kind of really kind of made my decision on that part because mm -hmm. in third grade, Lincoln School, New Jersey, the teachers called home and said that Johnny needs to keep his hands above the table. And well, my mom hit the roof and she kind of cornered me in the kitchen, warned me of pending castration in that sense. And to me at that age, I think I was about eight, nine, what is it, third grade? Yeah. And so, uh, I thought it was a butcher knife, but then again, at that age, you know, any knife is yeah. look like. And I was trapped in that kitchen for over 45 years. Yeah. And I could not. That little Johnny, that little boy inside, was not able to get out of that kitchen yeah, that's until such celebrate way recovery. Of putting it. It's, it, we, we get trapped, and, and I hadn't thought of it that way. Is that, you know, you are trapped in that kitchen with your mom for 45 years. It's not just however long it was in actual physical time, but the emotional time that you spent there was a long time. I mean, that's, that's half of most lifetimes. It's, it's well over half of that. So that's, that's a very long time to spend. I have tried several times. And I remember one time I was outside the kitchen in the hallway and I looked inside and I just, I, I couldn't go in. You know the 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 freeze or fight or freeze right. uh, syndrome or whatever. That's that's what it was. I was just frozen. I couldn't go in. But through celebrate recovery, I was able to actually go into the kitchen, sit down with him, and give him a big hug and saying it's mm -hmm. going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. And we could see now that yes, you know it's okay. And I'm I'm still working on issues, but then that's what uh, life is all about. Keep yeah. on working on issues yeah yeah so uh, as an adult you got into problems and trouble uh, tell us about that well um, with the preoccupation with self-gratification then there was this pink porn novel in my parents room they had the bookshelf right there at the door so it wasn't really hidden well the color of it was more curiosity and you know pornography came into the being mm -hmm. from then and um, it just took off and I read that book from cover to cover one handily and when I got to join the military and that was a fiasco it, it was just I wasn't focused for it the first thing I did when I got to Scotland, my first duty station, my first paycheck, I went to the bookstore just outside the base and I continued my pornography. But this time I was free, you know, free from mom and dad. I didn't have to hide it and things right. like that. And so I spent hours on end, three o'clock in the morning, you know, just wasting my energy and all. Mm -hmm. And that's not a mindset to live in. Right. You know, and again, I'm trapping myself within that mindset, going deeper and deeper, just waiting for the next episode, mm -hmm. you know, uh, next chapter in the books and stuff. And 
I could look back seeing where these are the mistakes that I've made and those are the things that it, they just couldn't continue. But I wasn't aware of it then. Yeah. So. Yeah. And when I got to the base here locally, it wasn't as easy to hide the pornography. And I left something on the bedpost overnight, not the bubble gum. <laughs> and somebody turned it in, per se, and a couple of days later, NCIS came by, or NCSI, or whatever it is. Yeah. And they wanted to um, see what's in the trunk of the car. And I had my collection in the trunk of the car. And um, so the proceedings of uh, discharge began. And so uh, it, was, it was a mess, and I kept on going from there. Getting to the main point, I actually had, what is it, uh, Galatians, step 12, the verse, that is Galatians 6, 1, about a brother that is, you see a brother in a fault? Right, yeah. Okay. But be careful that you don't stumble. Yeah. That was it. What would you do if you knew something was going on? Would you approach that person in love saying, this is not right, let's deal with it? Would we be the person to light the fuse of the dynamite stick that would just blow it out? That's what happened. I saw and understood something going on, and instead of saying something and speaking up, I didn't take, what's that scripture say? Lest ye fall? Yeah. And yeah, I fell. And I participated in mutual self-gratification, and then later on I was completely charged with the, with the charges, received a 10-year sentence, served five years, one month, in uh, various uh, state prisons. And so uh, five years on a 10-year, was that... It was a 10-year sentence. half-time uh, then, so you were getting... Half-time, uh, job-wise, model okay. citizen, model prisoner type okay. of thing, yeah. And so when you... What was the time frame that you were incarcerated? What year about? 1990 to 1996. Okay, early 90s. All right. So coming out, you're then... Uh, tagged for life now. Uh, you got to register and all that goes along with that. You came back to the same community? Yes. Did you find that difficult or easy? Was it, were you forced to? Was it part of your probation or parole uh, agreement? Or what, what brought you back to the same community? A family. Okay. I okay. did have strong family ties. And Ridgecrest was the place where... Uh, where the offense occurred as well as um, returning back okay. because that's where my support group And your life was. is basically upside down coming back from prison. It's like shambles. Well, several different stop signs and red lights in the town and everything. <laughs> you know, after five years, it really is a little bit different in town. Yeah. And uh, it's expanding en enough right now too, but... There was the difference. I, I did have to stay away from home. We had to put up, uh, you know, uh, a light to turn on, meaning I can't come home because there's 
a youngster in there or something like right. that, you know. So we had to work around the patrol, uh, parole uh, conditions and all right. that. And I couldn't do this, couldn't do that. No. Getting work is not easy situation to find no. someone that wants to take No, that I, tr- I tried. Uh, I've been working in delivery for 14 years now. And according to the person that I got hired on, he says, your consistency of calling is basically why mm-hmm. I hired you. And also, to the honesty. I told him, this is exactly it. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't try hiding it. I didn't try just whatever on the application. He called me. We talked. I told him, this is exactly it. Boom, boom. And... Yeah. I was hired. And and um, you were telling me earlier about uh, your arrival. Uh, so um, in, in California, we have Wasco Reception Center, so everyone goes to Wasco, and then they figure out where they're going to send you. Um, when you got there, you were telling me about the, uh, the, the officer who went ahead and um, let everybody know about who was on the, the transport. Can you, can you just give us a brief version of that story that you told me? Yes, uh, Wasco was our reception, and then I was moved over to Mule Creek State Prison over near Ione, Ione, California, and then uh, Avenal, Soledad. So there's many a times where we were transported from one place to another, handcuffed and all that kind of stuff, trying to open up a, a bag of potato chips with your handcuffs. It just doesn't work, you know. Well, it's not just One, handcuffs. Yeah. You, 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 you've got shackles and around, you know, you're cuffed to your, your waist and everything like that. Yeah, yes. so. I had three potato chips out of the whole bag yeah. because everything else went all over the floor. So the transportation officer, we went to one place, and of course they took off the shambles, shackles, put us all in holding cells. There was about seven or eight inmates that was put into a holding cell, and I alone was placed into a telephone booth type of cell, iron bars and all that, with a little slit for lunches and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was standing there, and the transportation officer looked to the reception officers receiving the inmates, and he says, we have about seven inmates over here and one piece of ship without a sail over there. And at that moment, the ignominy, Mm-hmm. Is that how that it is? The, the public, <laughs> it still it didn't expire. The, the ignominy that I received from the public shame of just the words, it hit home to the degree of I felt it from the back of my heels. It went up my back spine and went up over my head and to the front And as it went to the front, I actually went down on my knees, weakened by the fact. Mm -hmm. And I could not blame anybody else for what he said because I felt inside that it was true that I was a ship without a sail. Yeah. You know? Of course, he didn't use those familiar terms. The thing, too, is when you're walking with that in your jacket... uh, onto any yard, you are marked. And um, was was that something that you had to deal with uh, now that it's out there, worrying about, I mean, how did you 
did was that a, a part of your routine was trying to keep your your story quiet right for five years I had to basically do what they suggested you know when reception they were saying well you're from the desert area we suggest you keep the truth quiet you might try building a story to say and so basically I was a meth dealer meth cook or something like that okay. I, I think it was a cook <clears throat> cooking it all up because that's what the desert is kind of yeah. all about and everything so that's what they did to get through it, it but it was always lingering in the back it's almost like somebody's watching my back not in a positive way exactly you know it's either it's either you're uh what was it chomo or you're a cop yeah you know either two and i was kind of polite with my language and stuff like that good morning gentlemen you know it's like that sounds like a cop type of thing. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Not, not a cop. Yeah, you know, yeah. It it was it was kind of scary at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It makes it, it makes it difficult, and that's you know something that I think about when I'm inside. You know, working with people, I you know part of the ministry is, is sharing your story and, and and honesty, but you can't come out and just not do sure. that because even though I know all the guys in my class are supportive of me. I also know that if they talk, then when I'm walking down the halls, or maybe someone signs up for the class to get into this class, so that way they got a chance, you know, to be a hero and, and take out the trash. So, you know, that's a, that's a difficult thing, and I can't imagine, you know, five years uh, of doing that and having the help of an officer like that to, to point it out is just... Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing that I've done, job-wise, was to be the inmate... Uh, chaplain's assistant and I was making the bulletins and stuff like that for each Sunday and all. Mm-hmm. So Sundays or chapel was the biggest car in prison. You know, where we got a lot of support in that sense. We were all kind of buddies. We we talked good. We talked positive and stuff like that. But we didn't really know mm-hmm. the true stories. So the biggest car safety-wise was the chapel. Yeah. And sometimes when the inmates want a Bible, it's not necessarily what we think. Right. Those small little Bibles that you have, those yeah. pocket Bibles, those are perfect for Papers. rolling cigarettes oh, yeah. and stuff. Absolutely. Yes. So it, it's 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 tricky, the the prison environment and I I don't know how you do it, but it's <laughs> like <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, you know, walking around and doing all this stuff, going through and, and having to go through transportation and going to different facilities and whatnot uh, tires anyone out. And our, our song of the week this week fits in with that. Uh, and this is uh, Jordan St. Cyr. The song is called Weary Traveler. We're going to give you about 90 seconds. We'll be back on the other side to talk about it and to uh, tell you more about John's story and uh, talk about the message because it's a good one. So here's Jordan St. Cyr with Weary Traveler. We'll see you in about 90 seconds. Tired heart is on the edge of breaking. Carry on, weary traveler, restless soul. You were never. 
Go Jordan St. Saint- uh, Cyr. Uh, Bev loves Jordan St. Cyr, so uh, I threw that in and I like that song. Uh, John, what stood out in that song to you? Uh oh, and, and the lyrics yeah. just went. Yeah, well, I, I know that uh, tired storms you have withered. I know that the storms in the process of going through incarceration and that experience, I don't know what other people think that's never been to a, uh, a prison, and they think it's easy, it's not. The emotional upheaval, it, it's, we're working through our lives and stuff like that, and why I did those things. Mm-hmm. And so it, it did take me those eight months first to actually get settled into a program and I did Bible reading, Bible reading, Bible reading. I stayed in the Bible, and I, I basically, that was my program, and that's what they all saw. And it's, I'm, I'm reading this. But I escaped prison so many times yeah. because I was with Noah on the ark, and I, I, I was with Abraham when he went up to the hill and all that. One time I was another out-to-court status, and I didn't have any property because we're just out to court, that's all. And I asked one of the guards for a Bible. And so for the next 19 days, out to court status, I read that Bible. And it took 19 days to actually do that. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't able to get out of our cell or anything like that just for the hour. They brought the lunches and breakfast and all that to the cell. So I, I just stuck to it, you know. I, 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 there was nothing else for me. Yeah. But just something after the eight months, I saw just a small little sphere of energy inside and saying that's it right there and that's all it was was hope 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 i didn't understand it but that little light that little energy was hope yeah and it's going to work out and i didn't know how it was but it was going to work out yeah and for me the thing that that i you know highlight on this song is that that lyric uh in the, the chorus it says you were never meant to walk this road alone It'll all be worth it, so just hold on. And and that's that's my recovery story. It's like, you know, I can get through this. It doesn't feel like it. Sometimes there's nights or days where I feel like I just, I'm tired of doing this. I don't want to do this anymore. It's too difficult, and do I have to keep on holding on? And I, I know that if I hold on, that God's going to provide that answer for me. God's going to provide that out for me, so I don't have to be stuck forever in this life or this, this this current misery, whatever it happens to be that I'm facing. So I just, 
oftentimes I'll remind myself, just hold on, you know, go to sleep, wake up in the morning, it'll be, it'll seem different. And sometimes it takes several days and sometimes it takes several weeks. Um, and the thing that, that really I've dealt with most recently was, you know, as, as registrants on our birthday, we always get to, you know, celebrate our birthday with the local uh, law enforcement by updating our registration. And I was looking forward to this year getting off of that because I've, I've done my 20 years and was ready. And when I went, they said, you know, sorry, we're, you know, here's my papers here. And right at the top, it says tier three lifetime. And it wasn't tier two, 20 years. But John, you got to be tier two, 20 years. Um, tell us about that change. I'm lost for words on that. You might have to use the proverbial lawnmower <laughs> again. No, but it's a mixed, mixed feelings. Yes, awesome. When I first opened up the letter, you know, I, I, I choked up, yes. Mm -hmm. But also, too, it puts the responsibility now all on me. You know, it's no longer the structure, discipline, principles, and practices that we've had as a registrant. I know I need to keep up on those responsibilities. My road to recovery, I, it can't stop. It started going from one place... There's, there's a place over on Wilson that we went to for a while. We did recovery there. And then we went to another church near, near St. Anne's across the street there. What is it? Uh, Foursquare. Mm -hmm. We went there for a while. And then we went to Crossroads. And then I went online to uh, 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 Life Coach. And we were talking about things. Uh, what is his the uh, the mindfulhabit.com? And uh, he wasn't Christian. He wasn't Orthodox. He really kicked your butt with <laughs> what the thing is. Is this is exactly what's going on? You, you know, to change a habit, you got to start a habit and stuff. You got to put that old habit away and pick up a new one. And it hit home. Things are being worked out. I'm being stirred up and all. But yet, church was still disappointing to me. Mm -hmm. We have the apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for the edification of the body of Christ to lift us up and all that. Well, that was not my experience. Yeah. Okay? We talk about the grace of God, but humanity's grace and mercy mm -hmm. is limited. Right. And I can't blame them. Okay? The apostle Paul, when he first got converted... People had a problem with him. Wait a minute. You murdered people. Get out of our sight. In a sense. I'm paraphrasing right. it. They did not accept his testimony. But eventually, he was able to prove himself in that sense. And then, yeah, now he, the great Apostle Paul. Yeah. I saw a flyer in town about Celebrate Recovery. And Celebrate Recovery, for something, it clicked inside me saying, I need to check this out. Then I met somebody up front talking about the story, and I was just glued to the edge of my seat, just listening. You know, it really meant a lot. And yeah, it's <clears throat> getting choked up and all, getting some of the frogs there, because it's so close, you know, and you're like, wait a minute. 
Now that's somebody that knows and understands the grace of God. To reach out, you know, it's like you were talking about the, uh, the parts of the body, you know, the eye, the ear, and so forth. Every joint supplying what the other lacks. Okay, someone's the listener, someone's the eye, someone's the nose, someone's the mouth. And, of course, you mentioned the butthole. <laughs> like, no. But the thing was... has to be the butthole, people. Yeah. You can't live without one. But the thing was, is Paul, is you reach out to the stinky and you minister to them where others won't. You see? And I, I saw something there. You know, you're the one would toot. You would make that noise. You would do what needs to be done to reach others where others wouldn't. Yeah. And my experience was nobody was helping me. It can be pretty brutal, even in a church. And that's, I mean, it, it's easy to expect that kind of treatment from the world. Um, and uh, when I first started doing registration, the person that handled it at the police station was, was that person who would, you know, just let you know, well, well. I have to spend time with this piece of dirt. Um, but it's always, you know, I just have this rosy idea, like, well, the church will be different. And, and, and sometimes they are, and I've had wonderful experiences at churches, and I've had very difficult experiences at churches. And, and thankfully, the, the churches where I've been able to do celebrate recovery have had a lot more capacity to allow me to shine. Now, yeah. just because uh, a pastor or a group of people you know, accepts you or loves you doesn't mean that everyone will. And, right. and to some people, I'm still just going to be that guy. And it doesn't matter what I have done since my crimes. I'm, I'm still not worthy. And yeah, Jesus died for everybody, but um, that doesn't mean I have to like this guy. And, and that's just the sad reality of it, um, mm -hmm. which can be difficult. Um, but but you, got, you got the letter. You, you're, you're able to now... Next birthday, you can do what you want. <laughs> you don't. Yeah. Have to go what, when was that, place. Paul? Was that? It, it was July when it first came out, saying. Yeah. You have to wait until July, and October. Was my annual. And I went there, but I did some homework, and. You have to fill out this form and this form, and then that form and this form, and then when you send this form in, you have to fill this form out to say that you've delivered or served the papers to this person. Then you go to this other place and then serve papers there, and then fill out this paper saying you got served and so forth. And so you have to get all these different forms out there and all that. And it's like, why don't I just pay $3,000 to a lawyer and have them do it? So I did all this stuff, and I went locally here, and the court says... You need to call Bakersfield. Here's the number. Here's the person. Give them a call and go with it. And so I called them. And this lady was on the other line, and she asked for my name. She looked things up or whatever she was doing on her side of the phone. She was so polite. Oh, yes. it's okay. No, you don't have to do this paper. You don't. No, no, I'll take care of it. That's just. And so she did whatever she needed to do. And then February, I called in January just to wait until after the holidays and so forth, give them enough time to do things. She says, the courts approved your termination on the 22nd. Says, okay. 
but we needed proof, you know, the letter and stuff. How do I go next year to my annual without a letter? So eventually I did get a letter in the mail. And here just recently, I got another letter. One letter was the public defenders. And the second letter, just recently here, was from the DOJ, the Department of Justice, saying the same thing. You have been terminated in uh, registration requirements. The first letter from the public defender says, congratulations. The other <laughs> one wasn't as... <laughs> that was celebratory. You know, yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't. So. But that's awesome. And that gives, I mean, hopefully, if, if you're a person out there who's, who's dealing with it, and, and your laws are going to be different state by state, but, but California passed a new set of laws, and depending on what tier you're in, you can qualify to come off of the registration list, and that means you don't have to go in and register, but it also means you don't have to be on the internet sites that people look you up on and, and go through all that. So it's a, a whole new thing. And I was so thrilled when, when you got off of this, John, and I thought, wow, that's, that's, uh, this is doable. And so I'm still now in the process of trying to figure out why they have me as the tier three lifetime and, and still waiting to hear back. But I just know that whatever God has, God has. And, and if I hold on, like it says in the Weary Traveler song, I just hold on. It, it, God's got an answer. And God's answer yeah. is always better than Paul's answer. Paul's answer, usually kind of goofy, maybe a bad joke in there, but it's not nearly as wonderful and complete as the answers that we get from God. Paul, what have you been doing since 2018 with this podcast? You have been acknowledging God in all your ways. Okay? Yeah. You've been acknowledging Him acknowledging him, acknowledging him consistently, okay? Yeah. And what does the scripture say? Acknowledge him and he will acknowledge you. Yeah. So yeah, according to scripture, your day is coming yeah. that God will acknowledge you either on this earth or with him in heaven. Yeah. There will be coming a time where we're all going to be acknowledged as we continue to remain faithful to the calling yeah. in that sense. It, it, that, that sounds so, you know, preachy, but that, that's so true, it's true. in the yeah. area of acknowledging. Yeah. I've got to continue to acknowledge him. Yeah, and that's you the know? hope that we have, you know, that whatever our struggle is, that, that there's a way out of it. Um, you mentioned not um, our ways, his yeah. his way out of it. I could I could find ways out of it, you know. I could I could go to another state and start hiding from registration, or just yeah. not register and just go hide somewhere in the mountains. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned know. the um, the one of the recovery things that you did, and the guys saying if you you know you want to change a habit, you've got to start a new habit. And so you filled your time with some things, and one of the things that anybody who knows John knows that John is is uh, the brass guy. Um, he plays... What brass instruments are you playing now, John? I, I do have a little pocket trumpet, a bugle, trumpet, um, cornet, baritone. So I've got about five different ones, but they're all basically the same in the fingering and the, the language of music. Yeah. And so you've, you've been playing now for several years... Uh, working about on it. four and a half years, yeah. And uh, you you put yourself on uh, Instagram. Instagram, Mako, M-A-K-O, Brass. Mako Brass. So uh, you can check that out. And if people want to get a hold of you just to 
get more of your story, um, what's a good way to get a hold of John? Well, the first thing, they could probably contact you at info. No, nope, nope, Bowtie Guy. Bowtie Guy at MessItUpPodcast.com. Or you could actually contact me through Fight On Through, the number two, Fight On Through to Victory at gmail.com. Yeah, and the through is T-H-R-U, so it's F-I-G-H-T-O-N-T-H-R-U, digit two, V-I-C-T-O-R-Y, at gmail.com, and I can't spell that in my head. That John very, very kindly wrote that down on a piece of paper so that I could... Uh, so that I could read that. Um, John, I want to tell people, the first time that I uh, interacted with you was through a text that you sent. And you, you weren't at our meeting in person, but you saw the meeting. Uh, we, were, we were streaming on a, a streaming service back then that I don't even think it's around anymore. It's called Ustream.tv or something like that. And um, I get this strange text, and I wish that I still had that text, but... It was, it was from one of those, back in, in the day you'd get these texts and it would have like the person's phone number at like verizon.net or whatever. It would come through as a text. And I get this text from this number. I'm like, what is this? And I look and, and you had seen my testimony and we knew nothing about each other. But that kind of started the ball rolling for us. And if it hadn't been for that text, I don't know if I would have had the gumption to keep on going and doing the ministry that we do, because I didn't know why I was doing it. I just thought, okay, well, I'm, I'm doing this, but I didn't realize I was reaching anybody that I didn't realize I was reaching. And and that has made a huge difference in my ministry outlook. Um, and so, you know, thank you for that text. Thank you for staying true. And in... In recovery, we, we work through steps, and um, it's so awesome to watch people have light bulbs come on, but I've never seen a light bulb come on more than yours when you released little Johnny from the kitchen, and I was there to see it happen, and that keeps my recovery motor running. That's, that's the oil in my engine uh, to make sure that everything keeps going. When I get down, I just think about, okay, made a difference. And, um, you know, I'm your idiot, but you're my idiot. And it's like, if that idiot can do it, well, then i got to keep on doing it. Because no that idiot did because he saw me. <laughs> I'm third, third generation idiot. Third generation idiot. You've got that water reclamation guy? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Um, so, any parting shots for the people, John? Well, for those that are still on registration requirements and all that, uh, just keep going doing what you need to do and so forth, and just just wait your turn. Don't give up. Mm-hmm. And also, if there's anybody out there that's in the wrong mindset and they need to go act out, they need to call somebody, Yeah. whoever it is. Yeah. Get in contact with you, anybody, yeah. something. The first step is to actually acknowledge that, okay, I'm in the wrong mindset and I need to do something. And that's the hardest thing to do yeah. is to actually make that. Yeah. But uh, keep hanging in there. You know, we can't do this alone like the song was exactly. saying. Exactly, yeah. And there's there's joy in knowing that there's other people out there. When I found out I wasn't the only person in my little boat 
that there's a lot that really lifted uh, a lot of darkness in my world. Um, so, you know, keep on sharing and share your story. If you're interested in sharing your story, uh, definitely reach out to me, uh, bowtieguy at messituppodcast.com, or send me a text or phone call, 760-608-1942. Don't forget the Patreon, the text to give. Uh, that's 760-WALLS-CALIFORNIA, WALLS-CA. Um, and just text the word mum, and it'll walk you through the rest. Uh, John, thank you so much for doing this. I really, really appreciate it. This has been one of my favorite shows out of all the 200 and whatever. Uh, this is one that I'm uh, most proud of. So thanks for doing that. Uh, thanks for leading a light for folks like us. And thank you for being brave enough to share. <laughs> thank you, Paul. Absolutely. And we will see you next time we mess it up. Thanks for checking out the Mess It Up podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback, please email info at messituppodcast.com. Don't forget to share with your friends, and we'll see you next time we mess it up. Mess it up.